Welcome back to Night School, episode 10, uh, Song of Myself by Walt Whitman, 1892 version, episode 8, part 8, I believe, yes. Um, uh, we're really getting into it, and today I believe we're starting with the odds with part 23, and back with me, as usual, on this episode of Night School in the Morning, as you mentioned in the pre-show, is Mr. Wesley Chance. Hey, good morning. Good morning. It is good to hear from you. And well, you know, it's fun to keep working through this project and, uh, well, continuing to trudge through this epic poem. Well, I know. We're going at such a blistering pace. I hope people <laughs> are able to keep up. Yeah. Wesley Chance and Alex Schmidt of the Swift Feet, indeed. Yeah. Right on. All right. Well, would you like to get us started for the day? Oh, yeah. That's right. I'm odds. Okay. So 23. Endless unfolding of words of ages, and mine a word of the modern, the word en masse, a word of the faith that never balks, here or henceforward, it is all the same to me, I accept time absolutely. It alone is without flaw, it alone rounds and completes all, that mystic baffling wonder alone completes all. I accept reality and dare not question it. Materialism first and last imbuing. Hurrah for positive science. Long live exact demonstration. Fetch stone crop mixed with cedar and branches of lilac. This is the lexicographer. This the chemist. This made a grammar of the old cartouches. These mariners put the ship through dangerous unknown seas. This is the geologist. This works with the scalpel. And this is a mathematician. Gentlemen. To you, the first honors always. Your facts are useful, and yet they are not my dwelling. But I, I but enter them, I but enter by them to an area of my dwelling. Lest the reminders of properties told my words, and more the reminders they of life untold, and of freedom and extrication. And make short account of neuters and geldings, and favor men and women fully equipped, and beat the gong of revolt and stop with fugitives and them that plot and conspire. All right. Okay. So again, a lot of, a lot of stuff all thrown in here. So the first three stanzas or so the first three couplets seem to again, continue this sort of divine theme or this identification with a transcendent figure, endless unfolding of words of ages. So endless, you have the idea there of non-temporality or universality of time of eternity. Um, a divine aspect in words of ages indicating that that which is eternal is language not the specific words used just like that which is eternal he might claim are humans not a specific human um, and that he is connecting his modern word to the words of the past and then again word a third time in the first three lines of faith that never box which is in direct contrast I would say to the materialism and the scientific sort of um, conscription that comes later because um he makes this claim in the middle of the paragraph i accept reality and dare not question it which seems to be something like an existential claim that which is i do not judge i simply uh, uh accept it or something like that and then but then he 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 contradicts this immediately by uh, taking a materialist point of view. And a materialist point of view is the scientific belief that the facts that we have discovered through the scientific method are the sum total of what we know about reality. 
so he says hurrah for positive silence science and long live exact demonstration and he gives uh several examples of um facts that one generates about phenomena in the world so like a gram a grammarian and this is perhaps why you sort of sneer at them uh they tell you the properties of language without maybe being able to speak well um or, or they tell you the properties of something like language that really exists and they spend their careers talking about these these properties that perhaps uh, seem as if they exist even less or what they are trying to measure seems to be far less important than the phenomenon itself. So like a lexicographer who cares about words, but doesn't necessarily, uh, you know, use language well or something or mariners who are trying to uh, limit or, or place um, boundaries along the sea. Same with a geologist. All these people through their study of the earth or the sea or of language are attempting to bind these phenomena which are in of themselves sort of endless or traditionally considered endless or or uh, uh, eternal wellsprings and that it's almost as if we're missing the point with our science we're missing the beauty the essence of that which is that we're we've taken a wrong turn uh and you know less the reminders of properties told my words and so he's like yes you can tell me that my words are verbs and nouns and gerunds and you can say that i use anacolathon or anaphora in literary terms but that's not getting the essence of what it is that i'm saying um yeah and then the last few lines uh sort of uh still are beyond me well, I, I think they sort of support that point too, actually, with the neuters and the geldings. Um, neuters, right. of course, being a grammatical term, again, neither. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, well, I think, I think he's, again, saying something about um, generation here. Men and women fully equipped, meaning they, they can um, procreate. Um, that, that sort of thing seems to be what he's contrasting with neuters and geldings. And yeah, I think it is kind of a metaphor as well for the sort of study, the sort of science, the sort of poetry he's interested in. And again, it seems like the sort of politics too, right? Like he's, he's the, the poet of the people that he, he wants to sort of um, democratize the old uh, epic and make it something that's accessible that speaks to people in their daily lives and yet is still connected to all that high um, grand and noble sort of stuff and sort of just get that all right all wrapped in together and so yeah he seems to be uh i think the generation that he's talking about too like is is the intermingling of poetry and science right spirit and matter and all that sort of thing and then the gong of revolt um well, I think he's, you know, this poem is his, is him beating the gong of revolt, like stirring people up to storm uh, the ivory towers, to storm into the, the laboratories and the libraries and like, you know, get to work <laughs> and discover. Yeah, and that's interesting too, because again, that there's a connection to that word august later, that gong of revolt and stop with fugitives and them that plot and conspire. There's that connection to Julius Caesar, the uh, stepfather of August Caesar. And so there's sort of a secular feel uh, because, you know, he was the secular God figure who was betrayed <clears throat> just a few years before Jesus, the sacred God figure would be betrayed by his own. 
And so um, I, I think I see another interplay between sort of like revolutions in heaven and revolutions on earth. And this revolution being sort of one of a medium or thought. And I like what you say about democratizing because I think that's precisely what he's doing. Whereas like say a scholar, especially in these days, when I, as I know from my neuroscience segment uh, and trying to access journal articles, which are extremely expensive, is very, uh, the knowledge produced about these phenomena in the world is very rarefied and difficult to read, has a very specific vocabulary, and is also very difficult to find where to access, and is also very expensive to access, whether you have to go to a school in order, or go to an expensive university in order to pay, in order to use their library and their expensive databases that they buy, or if you're an independent scholar like we are, and you need to buy the articles themselves, that knowledge, which is arguably not as useful as the phenomenon itself, or at least that seems to be what Waltman explicitly believes, is not democratized. It is hard to get to, whereas this poetry, which arguably, according to Whitman, is uh, a better expression of the phenomenon itself or of the essence of a phenomenon like the sea or time or eternity or the earth, um, that it can be given to all and that it should be given to all and that therefore poetry is a more American endeavor as a dem more democratic endeavor than even scholarship is and that that was even true during the times of like say Greece and Rome. And I would say that our project here analyzing this poetry is uh, uh, in the same spirit, right? Because we are <laughs> analyzing American literature and poetry for free and putting it out on the internet for free for people. Um, and yeah. so it's sort of the opposite of like careerism and producing a new concept that has no relation to a real phenomenon in order to say, I don't know, appear like a mystical and beyond the normal human in our ivory tower. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I think Whitman would just love the aspect of the internet that makes poetry more accessible. I think that he would be concerned probably about the aspect of the internet that makes it possible to get in these kind of echo chambers where you hear nothing but other people who agree with the things you're already saying. So, right. you know, I mean, there's, there's dangers to it as well. And I, and I do see what you're saying about like the difficulty of accessing certain works, but also I think there is a place for that kind of gatekeeper or if not a gatekeeper, at least a something like a very robust journalist, I guess, to like amplify the things that need to be amplified and to help like get them, get people to access them in responsible ways. Um, yeah, I think, you know, this all bears a lot more discussion, but I think we don't have a lot of time this morning, so we should go, go into the, the, the poem. There's this, this one's, this one's a, a hoot, so. All right, well. <laughs> Here we go, 24. Walt Whitman, a cosmos of Manhattan the sun. Turbulent, fleshy, sensual, eating, drinking, and breeding. No sentimentalist, no stander above men and women or apart from them. No more modest than immodest. Unscrew the locks from the doors. Unscrew the doors themselves from the jams. Whoever degrades another degrades me, and whatever is done or said returns at last to me. Through me the afflatus surging and surging. Through me the current and index. I speak the password primeval. I give the sign of democracy. By God, I will accept nothing, which all cannot have their counterpart of on the same terms. Through me, 
many long dumb voices, voices of the interminable generations of prisoners and slaves, voices of the deceased and despairing and of thieves and dwarfs, or voices of cycles of preparation and accretion, and of the threads that connect the stars, and of wombs and of the father stuff, and of the rights of them the others are down upon, of the deformed, trivial, flat, foolish, despised, fog in the air, beetles rolling, balls of dung, through me, forbidden voices, voices of sexes and lusts, voices veiled, and I removed the veil, voices indecent, by clarified and transfigured. I do not press my fingers across my mouth. I keep as delicate around the bowels as around the head and heart. Copulation is no more rank to me than death is. I believe in the flesh and the appetite, seeing, hearing, feeling are miracles, and each part and tag of me is a miracle. Divide or divine am I inside and out. I make holy whatever I touch or am touched from. The scent of these armpits, aroma finer than prayer, is head more than churches, Bibles, and all creeds. If I worship one thing more than another, it shall be the spread of my own body or any part of it. Translucent mold of me, it shall be you. Shaded ledges and rests, it shall be you. Firm masculine culture, it shall be you. Whatever goes to the tilth of me, it shall be you. You are my rich blood, or you my rich blood. Your milky stream, pale strippings of my life, breast that presses against other breasts, it shall be you. My brain, it shall be your occult convolutions, root of washed sweet flag, timorous pond snipe, nest of guarded duplicate eggs, it shall be you. Mixed tussled hay of head, beard brawn, and it shall be you. Uh, trickling sap of maple, fiber of manly wheat, it shall be you. Sun so generous, it shall be you. Vapors lighting and shading my face, it shall be you. You. You sweaty brooks and dews, it shall be you. Winds whose soft tickling genitals rub against me, it shall be you. Broad, muscular fields, branches of live oak, loving lounger in my winding paths, it shall be you. Hands I have taken, face I have kissed, mortal I have ever touched, it shall be you. I dote on myself, there is, a, there is that lot of me and also luscious. Each, mo each moment and whatever happens thrills me with joy. I cannot tell how my ankles bend nor whence the cause of my faintest wish, nor the cause of the friendship I admit, nor the cause of the friendship I take again, that I walk up my stoop. I pause to consider if it really be a morning glory at my window satisfies me more than the metaphysics of books. To behold the daybreak, the little light fades, the immense and diaphanous shadows, the air tastes good to my palate, hefts of the moving world at innocent gambols silently rise, rising, freshly exuding, scooting obliquely high and low, something I cannot see, puts towards libidinous prongs, seas of bright juice, spews heaven, the earth by the sea stayed with the daily close of their junction, the heaved challenge from the east, that moment over my head, the mocking taunt, see then whether you shall be my master. <laughs> awesome. It's a... Uh... I think you you nailed the the incantatory quality there of that that one long stanza where practically every line ends with it shall be you and it's like he's conjuring or summoning us into existence there it's it's wild he um right he he calls the poem song of myself and we finally get him naming himself uh, Walt Whitman a cosmos I love the greek spelling there too with the k um, and he names himself like the old heroes uh, are named after their place, right? Uh, where he's from, 
uh, like a nobleman, right? Walt Whitman of Manhattan, the son. Um, he is not content to take the locks off the doors, right? He wants to take the doors off their jams. <laughs> I feel like that kind of hyperbolic uh, quality. There's something innately um, funny about it. To me, at least, it kind of, it makes me chuckle. But I think he's totally earnest as well, right? Um, he really, really wants all of this to be not just metaphorically the case, right? But but to to experience it, to feel it, and I think that's where the the body is getting a little bit more uh, amplified here than the soul. As much as he said earlier, he's the poet of body and the poet of soul. Uh, this, yeah, this is a this is a great kind of climactic section of this poem, and among the images there that he dwells upon, again, it seems to be a contrast of things like words, right? Things like churches, Bibles, and creeds, contrasting those with the divinity of the, the subject, right? The, the person, yes. the body. Um, and the, the, the reason for that, again, it seems to be, is that you can only really transmit this kind of insight in a bodily way, mm. right? With exclamations, with, with uh, inspirations, um, and and hand holding and face kissing and bodily you know contact in a way and that's what the poem I think aspires to do right to to get breathed in by the reader and exhaled in the words and also then to sort of walk with you through the day and and he starts with the daybreak here so we had the night the earth the sea comes back to that a little bit here right with the, the daybreak, the air, the um, the heavens, in the, in, in the sense of like the sky, right? <laughs> and the ending is great too. Um, the heaved challenge from the east. I take that to be the actual like rising of the sun, the mocking taunt. See then whether you shall be master, right? Like can you master this uh, impression? Can you take it on? Can you take it in? Can you remain yourself um, and and express it adequately? It's it's a real it is a real challenge, right? Yeah, and I also perceive him here in this tour de force uh, part. Um, a uh, giving evidence for what we suggested in twenty three, which is that human experience or the phenomenological aspect or ex existential aspect of existence that which experiences rather than that which um, is a fact about experience is that which is more embodied and therefore real and therefore divine. It's not what's in the Bible that is most holy. It is the fact that there is a Bible that was produced by a mind with words that by a natural creature in the world that, well, he wouldn't necessarily have known this, but like that, you know, a hundred thousand years ago was not even the same creature. And seven million years ago, had some common ancestor with a creature that looks very different from what it is now. You know, the chimpanzees and the bonobos we have a common ancestor with. That uh, what is most incredible about us is the daybreak, is the coming of consciousness of us. And the fact that we can observe anything is incredible. Again, uh, back to the same sort of theme that we talked about in the last 
episode. And he's also encountering several different epic poets here, right? The daybreak is a common theme in the Odyssey. Uh, Rhododactylus aurora, or Rhododactylus eos, rosy-fingered dawn is spoken about in the Odyssey. Um, that he's talking about diaphanous shadows, as well as his libido, as well as copulation, as well as taking joy in his uh, libidinous prongs that then uh, uh, and then talking about seas and then the suffused heaven, he's, he's confronting Dante here and also disagreeing with Dante and suggesting, uh, and when he says, through me, that is a very famous beginning of Canto Three in the Inferno. Through me is the way to despair. Through me is the way to darkness. Through me, there's a, there's a bit of an aphora right at the beginning of the nine line, um, three tercet description of the gate of hell. And, but, but he's disagreeing. He's saying, actually, I think life exists in uh, the libido, in the genitals, in the copulation, in that which is traditionally uh, not spoken of, that that which is not spoken of is just as worthy of articulation because it's just as much a part of human experience, which is what is truly divine about being a human. So not, not only is he sort of disagreeing and making his stand, he is also, I would say, becoming, like you're saying, the poet, not simply of God or of divinity, like say Dante, but also the poet of the body. Um, so he's, he's doing quite a bit there, I, I would say. Oh, yeah, yeah. That makes me think of a couple of other, so Rodin, the sculptor, has uh, that famous series of sculptures that uh, depict kind of the, the entry into hell, the gates of hell. Um, with different figures from Dante's uh, poem. And I think he's doing something very similar, uh, you know, taking Dante's work and casting it in um, tactile form, right? Sensual form. Like some of Rodin's sculptures are just um, like some of the art that has, has given me at least the most kind of moving sense of what it's like to be embodied of anything I've ever uh, scene and and I think you know in that way in that respect he is doing something very similar to Walt Whitman what Whitman's doing here yeah is is embodying that whole tradition of of poetry of religion and putting it back in touch with things like well like one example that I did want to talk about I forgot to the Beatles rolling balls of dumb right ah. I love that image because it's a it's a scarab as well. It's the it's yes. the divine movement of the of the sun across the sky in the Egyptian conception, right? And it's also like the lowest, commonest little um, little insect. So I, I think that that's a beautiful um, that one line contains a kind of whole universe, a cosmos. You know? Well, yeah, and I'm trying to I'm trying to find it, but just to add even more. <clears throat> to the fact that that is a whole cosmos is that the imagery of dung is also an alchemical image. You find, and this is something the Jungians and Peterson often bring up, that um, you find the information in the dung or you find the treasure in the dung. And there was even some famous work in the 20th century that I think was actually found in dung. Um, I don't know if it was the Dead Sea Scrolls. Those might've been found in a, uh, a cave. It might've been the Gospel of Thomas or something. It was one of those uh, sorts of texts. It was actually found in like a medieval like uh, latrine. Um, but also 
that's not only sort of uh, the opposite of Christian imagery, it's the Christian image too. I, whoever degrades another degrades me. Whoever degrades a part of his experience, whoever does not notice the stone of little worth like a piece of dung, does not notice the cornerstone. That, um, that sort of, again, alpha and omega, the high and the low, that it is the range of experience and the fact that you experience anything that makes any piece of information like the host divine to you. Um, and that, that, that by that reasoning, that is what makes any person who can uh, give you information, any, any citizen in democracy, any brother to you in a democracy, uh, equally valuable to you. And so through understanding sort of the equal value of that which you experience, then you can truly value the democratic system you are a part of and your fellow man correctly. Um, Ah, yes. Good. Fog in the air, beetles rolling, balls of dung. There it is. Right on. <laughs> yeah. Well, if he comes to, yeah, I think he's coming up to the middle of the poem, um, de declaring in a new way his, his major themes here. Uh, and it's, I think it's continued into 25. I, we, can, we can pick up here uh, next time. And because I think 25 really does answer the end of 24. Okay. Uh, so, but we'll, we'll hit pause for now. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's a wonderful passage. Um, so a good start to the day. Yeah, an excellent start today. A good morning version of night school. And uh, well, uh, as usual, I really appreciate your time. Uh, Wes, very few ways I can think to start the day that would be better than this. And um, I'm looking forward to... Uh, uh, getting past the halfway point with you uh, later in the day. Right on, right on. Have a good one. You too.